You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. You guys are in for a treat today, as am I. We have with us Dr. Heather Hausenbloss, who has a PhD in health psychology and kinesiology. She has been a director of the exercise physiology lab at University of Florida. She's published seven books, over 100 scientific articles. She's been all over radio podcasts, magazines like Oprah Magazine, uh, Self, all sorts of places. And now she's a professor of applied health sciences at Jacksonville University. And what she's here to talk to us about today is social connection. This is something that is one of our core values at EA Coaching, knowing that making and fostering deep connections, both from coach to client and just peer to peer is incredibly important. So we're going to learn a lot from Heather today. And I'm really excited for our conversation. So Heather, thank you for being here. And if you want to kind of fill our audience in on how this has come to be one of the things that you are passionate about and have studied, I would love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's an interesting topic, you know, kind of social connections and, and how, uh, how our social um, environment affects, affects our overall health. Oftentimes, when we think about health, we think about, you know, diet, exercise, maybe spending time outside, how much we sleep. And we fail to realize that the people that we interact with, whether it's family, you know, friends, even our coworkers, even a casual acquaintance, somebody you meet, let's say walking, walking down the street, or the person who who serves you your morning, your morning coffee, those are all social connections that the research is now showing over the last um, decade or so has a really, really powerful influence on our health. And we tend not to, we tend not to realize. And to put it into perspective, an interesting study kind of equated, okay, what, what is the, what is the effect, you know, of not being, you know, socially connected? And what they did is they put it into terms that if you say, you know, I don't, connect with people, I don't really hang out with people, or I feel lonely, that is the equivalent from a health standpoint of smoking about 15 cigarettes a day. That is the kind of effect that it has on on people's overall health. And I think that's kind of one of these aha moments when people say, oh my gosh, I never realized how important it is to, to connect, you know, connect with others. And then sometimes I'll have people say, well, then is it okay if I smoke, if I have a lot of friends? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> smoking is still really still smoking is still really bad for you. But I think it's important for people to begin to to realize that, you know, friends, family, being connected is a health behavior also. And it is something that is really, really important for our health and that we fail to fail to realize it and give it the amount of, you know, kind of time and energy that it really that it really should have for our overall health. I completely agree. Are you familiar with the book Together by Vivek Murthy? Yes, I am. I've read it. I think it's yeah, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. So I read that, I don't know, six or so months ago. And I feel like it was such a just a series of light bulb moments for me. We had already been fostering our client community, but it really kind of strengthened my resolve to really help make connections among people. Every book I've read that involves psychology and behavior change talks about the impact that the people that you surround yourself with has on 
on you. And I think especially coming out of this pandemic where people are feeling more isolated than ever, it's so important to be proactive in creating the opportunities to have relationships because a lot of our listeners are busy working moms who just feel like every second of my day is spoken for. My you know, social connections are the cashier at the grocery store and the attendant when I pick my kid up from school and things like that. So two things. Let me, I'll come back to that. But I want to go back to the, the cigarette statistic for a second because I know people are going to hear that and be like, that can't be. So what are the actual physical ramifications of not having social connection? In what ways it is actually as bad for our health as smoking? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It pretty much affects every, what we say, every system in, in our body. Let's put it into, put in a perspective, a study that was done, which is very common, um, taking a look at what we call health-related quality of life or people's overall quality of life, which is a really good indicator of people's overall health. And in this um, study, they what they do is they ask people to think back over the last 30 days and to indicate out of how many of those 30 days, their physical or mental health was not good. So someone, for example, who was overweight expressed on average about 15 of the last 30 days, they're unhealthy. Somebody with diabetes, it was 16 out of the last 30 days. Someone who said that they were lonely and didn't feel connected with others stated that 30 out of the last 30 days they felt that either their physical or their mental health was not good. So I think that really puts it into puts it into perspective. And there have been probably two uh, what I consider really landmark studies that kind of led the way for us to really begin to think about the importance of social social connections. And the first one was done back in 1960. And it was um, it was actually, and a lot of these things in science are almost stumbled upon by accident, where a physician in a small town in, in Pennsylvania called, called Rosetto, which had about 2,000 people in 1960, noticed that, um, it was a physician, and noticed that heart disease was non-existent in people up to the age of 65. Now, this was really uncommon because the number one cause of death was, you know, heart disease still is. And most people, the average life expectancy then was 65. So these people seem to be dying of, of old age and not the number one killer. And heart disease really was non-existent up until age 65. So intuitively, he said, okay, I want to find out what is going on in this, in this town. So the first thing that he looked at were genes, thinking, oh, it's genetics. And this is when the gene theory was in vogue. And what they did is they compared um, Rosetto's who, who lived in in, in Italy and it immigrated to other parts of the United States and found that they had similar death rates to the rest of the rest of the US. So it wasn't, it clearly wasn't genes. So then they went and took a look at um, looked at look at other, you know, other aspects. Um, is it the amount of exercise? Is it their diet? And this was not a you know, a, a town that tended to eat a very healthy diet. They had long given up their Mediterranean diet. This was not a group of individuals that would tend to get up, you know, let's say at six in the morning and go for a run and and do and do yoga. And they thought, well, maybe it's something in the environment. And they actually compared some similar towns around and noticed that these other similar towns had death rates similar to um, some of the rest of the US. And it was finally after going through all of these things that they said, you know what? It's it's them. It's their social connections and how they live. They formed very 
kind of a tight group community. When they had immigrated, they felt that they were kind of shunned from the other communities around them. So they formed close-knit communities. They, they often lived in multi-generational homes. They socialized often. They gathered often. They were out in the community and they volunteered. And they said, you know what? It's the social, social relationships. And that was a really difficult thing for kind of the science and medical community to, to really get behind and, and believe. And it took, you know, several kind of other studies to finally say, oh my gosh, we are social beings and it plays a key, if not one of the most important roles in our overall health. And then I have people say, well, do I need to socialize all day long and, and be talking to people all day long and be connected? No, I mean, you can have literally one close connection and that can be sufficient for your overall health. And it's not like you need to be spending all day, all day with people. But to know that it's really important and to, to make connections with, with, with others. And I even say, you know, casual connections are important as well. Even, you know, the person who gives you your, you know, your, your coffee at, at the, you know, at, at Starbucks, you know, instead of you know, looking at your phone and not making eye contact, make, make eye contact say, and, you know, say, hey, how are you? And even a quick little conversation, the science shows can, can have positive effects on our life. It's kind of these little kind of daily uplifts that we get we get throughout our lives and i tell people you know social media does not necessarily mean that you're socially connected in general we spend way too much time um, on our phones try to try to limit that especially i say especially during meal times because that's a really important time to time to connect with others and just the mere presence of your phone on the table even if it's turned upside down is going to have some type of a negative effect on um on the meal so i say put it put them away completely and use that meal time um, as an important time to connect and it's really important with kids because what we find with kids is if they have family meals together they end up actually performing better in school having having a larger vocabulary and being overall healthy so there's a lot of these positive side effects that go along with go along with being connected also this is such fascinating stuff i think well, you, you can tell me, but I feel like from an evolutionary standpoint, social connection makes a lot of sense that if you were kind of this lone wolf fighting off the predators and trying to hunt and gather and scavenge by yourself, your odds of surviving were probably a lot lower than if you had this close tribe that was looking out for each other and could kind of divide up tasks and things like that. So it makes sense that you know, that's still part of who we are and what we need. And it's just that today's landscape is so different that we've sort of cut a lot of that out, especially like you said, we have social media that, you know, we feel like, oh, I interacted with all these people today, but it's largely very superficial, often has kind of this negative side of you're comparing yourself to other people. You're thinking about how you're less than or what you don't have, or you're thinking all these other people are better, happier, richer, smarter, thinner, whatever. Um, so, okay. There's, I'm like jotting, frantically jotting down notes. You guys can't see me, but um, filling up a, a a notebook here. Um, okay. So you mentioned we don't need to be connecting all day, every day. And that's great news because like I was mentioning, a lot of our listeners don't have a whole lot of time and would love to have more time to devote to girls trips and connecting with old friends and things like that. But it feels really unrealistic. So let's talk kind of frequency, duration. What is the best way to kind of get the most bang for our buck when we're connecting with people? 
Right. And it's a good question. And we are, we're, we're so time crunched, right? And we say, oh my gosh, I can't fit something else into my day. And this is so important for my health. And I tell people, it, it, it's like, yeah, you don't have to wake up. And from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed, be, be around people. I mean, that would honestly exhaust me and, and drain me because I do need, I do, and everybody does need, need some alone time. Some of us need more, more of it than, um, than others. But what I tell people is often, you know, what we can do is we can combine. So, you know, for example, if you like to exercise, why not do it with somebody else or, or with the group? And then you're kind of combining those activities. I know myself, I, I'm, you know, crunched for time, but I want to connect with my friends. So on the weekends, on a Saturday morning, I get together with a group of four or five women every single Saturday. And we've been doing this for years now. And we connect, we go for a walk or run and, and then have coffee. And it, we do it early in the morning before, you know, I say the chaos of the, of the day, you know, um, happens. And it can be as simple as talking on the phone. I know even when I'm in the car driving, instead of listening to like a podcast or the radio, I'll often call somebody and use that time. So I feel like I'm being productive and connecting that, you know, connecting that way. If you physically can't be with somebody, you can still connect, you know, connect other ways. So I say, try to, you know, try to combine and, and be creative that way. If you feel that you don't have the, don't have the time and make it a priority and realize that, yes, you don't need to be spending every second of the day with somebody to, to be healthy. I would probably, I would probably say that it, it would actually have the, probably the counter, you know, the counter effect. But what we do know is that, our social connections make us happy. And that's really important. And that's the kind of this part of positive psychology. There was a fascinating study that was done um, through Harvard. And interesting, it's still going on now. It's probably the longest longitudinal study, which started around World War II. And there are still some participants that are still in it. And in this study, what they did is they recruited two groups of very distinct um, men. One group was, was Harvard graduates who um, were probably a little bit more affluent. And then another group was from Boston's poorest neighborhoods. These boys, they lived in tenements. They often didn't have running water. And what the researchers wanted to do, and this is really interesting at this time, because typically everything was focusing on what makes us unhealthy, right? And this study was to say, well, let's look at what makes us happy and what makes us thrive over life. And they pulled these two very distinct groups because they thought that they were going to see differences right away. But what they found is it, it didn't matter someone's socioeconomic status. Um, it, what really mattered over time to make people the, the happiest and the healthiest were their social connections. And that just stood above, above everything else. It stood above how much money somebody made, where they, where they lived, you know, what type of degree, degree they had that, that came, um, above everything else. And that was really, really a fascinating study to show that kind of period, what makes us the happiest and the healthiest over the course of our, our life is who we, who we connect with. And that th these men said, you know, the connections with their mothers were really, really important and had a key role, you know, over the course, you know, over the course of their course of their life with them. So I think, you know, you have these really powerful studies now that are showing that being socially connected is um, not only good for a longevity. Some studies will say that if you're socially connected, you can live upwards of eight years longer than somebody who's not. Exercise gives you about a 
seven year boost to put it into to put it into perspective of the kind of the health boost that it gives you. You know, you're less likely, obviously, to die prematurely, to suffer from, you know, a heart attack and all of these things go on and on and on. The reason why? Well, it's complex, right, for me to say what exactly it is, but it has, you know, it positively affects pretty much every system in in somebody somebody's body. And what you said is right. I mean, historically, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, we had to connect with people to survive, you know, back in the caveman days. And that still has stuck with us in that sense that we do need community and we do need to be connected. This is fascinating. I hope you guys listening are as mind blown as I am by all of this. So, okay. We know that social connection is really important. This is kind of a two-part question. First part being, how do we deal with people in our day-to-day lives who we can't necessarily cut out, coworkers, close family members, who we know aren't really supporting us being the best version of ourselves. Maybe they don't want to change their health and they're sort of trying to bring us back down to the status quo to avoid the discomfort of, you know, addressing the changes themselves. Maybe they just have, you know, negative energy and we can't get away from them. How do we handle that? And then kind of conversely, how do we go about fostering actual positive connections if we don't already have them in our lives? Yeah, those are, those are two great questions because um, we always think, oh, it's a, social connections are, are always positive. Well, no, we're going to have those, whether it's the bully, for example, that can have extreme, you know, extreme negative effects on people or, yeah, that, that co-worker that is toxic and it's difficult, you know, difficult to, to get away from. If you can try to remove yourself as much as possible from those types of from those types of interactions. And, you know, it's almost like a cognitive reframing that that has to go on. And sometimes if it's that bad, then you just need to, you need to take charge and, and, you know, and leave. And I've had these situations in my life as well saying, okay, I I need, this is a really bad um, situation relationship for me with, you know, whether it's a coworker and it's time to make, you know, it's time to make a change because those can have severe negative, you know, negative health effects, um, you know, on people. And it's so important that we, you know, that we foster, that we foster the positive, positive ones, even, you know, from, from a leader, you know, a leadership standpoint. And I think of group exercise and sometimes you can have that leader that is so positive and upbeat. um, And that can be really, really, um, good for people to to adhere to exercise but we know that like the leader who focuses on the negative meaning like what you're doing wrong you know you got to push yourself that can have negative effects in, in the sense that people are less likely to to adhere and keep coming back to that exercise program so you know we think of social connections as always are potentially largely positive but no they they can have those they can have those negative negative effect, effects as well and i often think of kind of the bullying that that goes on in the severe negative effects those can have on people's overall health. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a gone for good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose five pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in gone for good. 
For all the info and to join, go to estheravant.com slash coaching. And I forgot your second question. (laughs) That's fine. That's a great point. I feel like sometimes we sort of paint ourselves into a corner of like, oh, I can't do anything about this. I just need to deal with it. When in reality, we could. It's just uncomfortable to set those boundaries or, you know, take the action that would distance ourselves. But when it's having a negative enough impact on your life, sometimes that is kind of the best course of action. Um, Okay. So the second part was if we don't already have positive relationships in our lives, if we're feeling like I've, you know, lost touch with a lot of my friends or I've grown apart from them, just generally feel like, well, who are going to be my people? How do we start to foster relationships as grown adults who don't necessarily want to just, you know, be friends with the the toddler's friends' parents by default? What are some some ways that our listeners can go about creating those positive relationships? Right. You know, as we get older, we feel like it becomes more difficult to to make, you know, to make those types of connections. And oftentimes, whether it's, you know, work and we're working more, let's say, or being more in in isolation. And you have to sometimes just put yourself out there and and reach out to people or join. I always say it's a good idea, even if it's uncomfortable to join some type of a, a group, even as simple as a, as a fitness group, some, you know, um, to do something that maybe it's a little bit outside your comfort zone and to, to put yourself, you know, to put yourself out there. Also, I mean, social media can play a great role in allowing you to connect, right? Reconnect with others. I just had, for example, um, one of my college roommates um, way, way back and I've lost touch with her and she, you know, found me on social media and reached out to me. And, and that was great to have to, you know, reconnect that way. But that's a way that you can also connect, especially if you feel, you know, uncomfortable, you can reach out, you know, that way through, through social, you know, through social media, an interesting thing that's, and it's, I've I've seen it begin to take off in certain cities here in the US. And it started in the UK, where a person was sitting on a park bench and just wanted somebody to come in and sit and talk and talk to her. And nobody was so she put a sign on the bench that said, you know, if you would like to, if you something like along lines, if you would like to connect, please sit down. And by doing that, people began to sit down and talk to her and it began to spread. And now it's done in many, many countries now where you'll see these signs on park benches. And it's kind of this invitation, right? To say, hey, it's okay, sit down here and and have a conversation, have a conversation with me. And it can be as simple as that. So if you don't want to break the ice, you can put, you know, do do these types of things like these these types of, uh, you know, signage and stuff, which is really, which is really quite, really quite powerful um, to do those types of things. I love that so much. I feel like this is one of those areas. It, I'm I'm thinking of how many of our clients have said, you know, I want to be drinking less, but it's such a part of the, you know, the the social quilt. Um, just how often the majority of us are feeling similarly, but everyone thinks they're the only one feeling that way, so no one ever says anything or takes kind of the first step. So just like if you were to offer to your friends, hey, do you want to take a walk instead of go to happy hour or just, you know, something to kind of break the the pattern. This is very similar. As much as you're thinking, oh, I really want to, you know, say hi to that woman that I always see at the gym, but it feels so awkward. Odds are she's feeling the same way and thinking the same thing. So why not be the one who takes the initiative and, you know, kind of does the does the first step and says, you know, something I've known, we, we're a military family, so we move a lot. 
And I've had to get comfortable over the years with making new friendships wherever we go. And I've started just being very upfront about, hey, I know this is weird, but here's, you know, here's, here's the deal. Do you want to be friends? Um, I think that's generally a great way to break the ice and odds are they're gonna be like, oh yeah, I'd love to, or I've been thinking the same thing. Um, so that's a good reminder to, you know, if, if you're feeling that way, then just kind of do the hard thing and, and try it. So you mentioned that social media can have, you know, can help us have positive connection. And that's something that we work hard to do in our community is create the connections from clients to their coaches and our team of professionals so that they feel comfortable being open and honest and vulnerable about their lives and also peer to peer. Because I know that, again, just feeling like you're not alone, having people who can relate to you, share the ups and downs and really help you feel capable of achieving the goals you're after is really a game changer. You may not have those people in your day-to-day life. You may be the only person you know who is trying to lose weight or trying to be a healthier person. So to find community wherever those people might be in the world, I think can be really powerful. Are there ways that our listeners can kind of maximize their social media time to actually have positive connection instead of kind of just the surface level? I saw a lot of profile pictures today. Yeah. First of all, what I would say is put a limit on how much time you're going to spend, you know, spend on it almost, you know, set the timer on your phone and say, okay, I'm going to do, you know, 15 minutes a day because we can get sucked in and spending way too much time and that's not good, but it's more than just scrolling, right? You've got to put yourself out there. You have to message, you know, message the person and, you know, and try to, and try to do that connection that way, or, you know, try to maybe find what their email address is or or something else about them in another way that you can connect, um, which I think is really important besides just the scrolling, because we do know that the longer that people spend on social media, actually, the the more um, unhappy they're going to be and probably the less the less healthy, you know, they're going to be. So I would say first and foremost, it can play a really positive role, but just limit the, you know, limit the amount limit the amount of time on it. And people say, well, you know, when I'm out and I'm walking or, you know, in the community, it's really hard for me to, to, you know, take that first step, like what you did, you know, put yourself out there is really, really difficult to be that one to say, hello, you know, how are you? And I always say, well, look for, look for some icebergs. So one of the best things that you can do is get, get a dog. A dog is a great, first of all, people who have, who, who own dogs, walk more than people that than people who do not because you have to walk your walk your dog. So that's good from that health health standpoint. But it's also a great icebreaker. And we do know that having that 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 pet out there really provides that icebreaker for people that you see because oftentimes they will come up right to you because they want to see the dog. And and it's okay then to approach a stranger to you know to pet their dog and to talk to them that way. So it's a great icebreaker that way. So I tell tell people it's a great um owning a pet in particular dog is a great way not only for your for your um exercise, you know, health because you you'll you'll move more, but also for your social health as well because you're going to connect with a lot more people when you're when you're out walking. And yes, those casual connections that can sometimes be in the hundreds every day and can be as quick as saying a hello our connections that are important, that, that are important for our health and give you kind of this quick little boost in what we call this like mood uplift. And it may only, you know, last a minute or two, but it's still really important 
for overall health. So I encourage people, and I do this myself too. If I'm out walking and I don't want to talk to somebody, I pretend that I'm on my phone or I'm listening to, you know, listening to something so that I don't have to talk to somebody, but make that effort and talk to, you know, talk to somebody for even, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and it can be a positive thing, you know, positive thing for you. So I think, you know, our close connections with our family and and friends are really important, but also our, our casual connections are important as well for overall health. I love it. So when my husband and his friends were young and single and would borrow a dog to uh, to take for a walk, they were onto something. <laughs> yes, they, they were. Um, this is such good stuff. One of the things that I started doing after reading together was I take a walk every day after I drop my son off at school. We live in Germany. I don't speak German, so I can't have a whole lot of casual conversations. But I've started trying to make eye contact and saying good morning to every person that I pass. And it's relatively early in the morning. It's mostly older people. And relatively often, they look so surprised and happy that I said anything. You can actually like see it in their faces. And it like it makes me feel good just period. But also to think that, you know, there's a chance that they're taking this walk was the only time they're going to be outside today. I might be one of the only people they see today. So for them to go home and think, oh, that nice girl, you know, said good morning to me. It's such a small thing to do that I feel like is is such a win-win. So maybe if you're looking for a, a baby step to just not avoid eye contact and then, you know, do a head nod or a, a good morning. Another thing is you were talking, we have a lot of women who are Peloton users or go to Orange Theory or have, you know, sort of brands that they they really resonate with. Just something like wearing your Peloton gear out of the house and keeping an eye out for somebody else who is wearing the same thing or who, you know, is wearing your favorite sports team. If you can kind of, I guess, like the clothing version of taking a dog out is do something that kind of identifies you as a member of a certain group so that other members of that group can then notice you and make it more likely to say, you know, go chiefs or whatever. Um, I love that. I love okay. that. That is, that is so smart. And it happens all the time. If I'm wearing my favorite sports team or, you know, where my, my older boys, you know, go to college and I'm out and I'm in a different city, people will come up to me, you know, whatever, you know, and, and, and we have that, you know, instant connection, you know, with the, with those people and it makes you feel good. It really, um, it really does. So that is, that is a really, really smart thing to do. Yeah. We living overseas. We have like followed people to be like, Hey, Hey, we're from, we're from America too. Do you, do you want to talk to us? Um, okay. So are there certain relationships or I guess like types of relationships that we should strive to have? What, what I'm thinking of is I read a book once that was talking about developing like your advisory board of certain people who you go to and you know you can open up to ask for advice. You know that they will open up to you and ask for advice themselves. Are there a certain number of them or a certain kind of dynamic or any sort of, I guess, I guess I'm looking for like an equation or a formula or something for these are the people that you need in your life and these are the relationships you should try the hardest to foster, I guess? Yeah, it's a good question. And there's no magic formula, right? For, okay, the, the magic number is five close friends that you need to be healthy. It could be as 
little as one close friend or family member, or it could be, you know, it could be many. It really depends upon, depends upon the person. But I think it's important to, when I say like to foster them and make an effort towards them and kind of the longer, you know, longer term really has an important impact. I think of, um, you know, groups in, uh, in Japan and Japan in certain areas, they have some of the longest living, longest living individuals. And one of the things that is done in these, in these communities, almost from the time that, um, that somebody is born, they are formed with a close group of, uh, of, of individuals that were born at about the same time. And it's called, uh, it's called MOA. And they, they stick with this group throughout their, throughout their entire lives. And it's given to them almost, almost at birth. And I think it's, when I say given to them, it's other parents that have, you know, children that are born at about the same time. They, they foster this and they the parents start this at a young age and then the kids as they grow older still continue on and when they get into their 80s and 90s they're still friends with this with this close group so you have this history right that is going on over over time now is that always feasible no certainly certainly not like in your situation right where where you're moving and and you're in you know you're in a different country and you don't even speak the language and you have these you have these barriers well I I know because I you know I was a, a, a you know an expat as well and, and lived in um and lived in the Netherlands for a while and there are groups right there it was it was fairly easy to find groups of English speaking you know individuals that we could we could get together and even though we tended not to really have anything in common except that we all spoke English that was enough to keep us to keep us together because it was that common thing that that pulled us together and these were the individuals that we would go out with um weekly and also you know travel travel with so it's really putting yourself out there, reaching out, finding something that you may have, may have in common. It can be something really, you know, really remote, just like speaking that, you know, speaking the same language and trying to foster those connections. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not what we necessarily want to want to want to do. And it can be exhausting, right? Trying to get to know, trying to get to know, you know, know people. So put that all into perspective, right? But know that it's really important to go out and go out and do do those types of things. That's such a good reminder. I know I'm, I consider myself fairly introverted and kind of left my own devices. I kind of default to just being at home by myself, but especially in this pandemic, living overseas, I've noticed the difference in how I feel when I'm completely isolated and when I make an effort. And sometimes that's just calling an old friend who I don't need to get to know or explain myself to who it just feels like. We go right back to the last time we talked. We know each other. We have that base. So maybe if you're feeling like you don't have the energy to create new relationships right now, do some of the more surface level you know, pleasantries when you're out and about, and then work on just reconnecting with people who already know you well. And my guess would be once you sort of start doing that and seeing how good it feels, it's probably going to get easier to then put yourself out there and meet new people as well. Agreed. hundred percent. Amazing. Okay. So let's kind of wrap, um, wrap this up for the, for the listeners who are, who have been convinced that social connections are really important and should be a priority. What would you say is the quickest way you can get kind of the hit of connection to test the waters. And then we always talk about sort of starting small, 
getting some wins under your belt, getting momentum and going from there. So what's like the quickest social connection win you can give us? I give people a couple of quick, you know, quick challenges. First is to, you know, uh, family or friend, you know, actually listen to them, you know, when they're, <laughs> when they're talking and, and, and try to have a conversation, try to have like a conversation, put your phone away and actually ask, Hey, how was your day? And actually listen to the response, right. And try to have, try to have, and it doesn't need to be this lengthy conversation, even just, you know, even just a couple of minutes. So I would encourage that for people to do that with a close friend or, or family member. And then I'd also challenge people to connect with a casual acquaintance. And that can be as simple as making eye contact and saying hello. And I would challenge people to, to try to do that with a couple of couple of these casual connections every, every day and just see how you feel afterwards and see what happens. And I know at the beginning, it'll probably seem really uncomfortable and awkward, but over time, it'll become easier and you'll begin to enjoy it and say, you know what? It feels good when I do something as simple as, simple as that. I love that. Is there anything else you would like to add or share with us about connection before we wrap up? I don't think so, except that, you know, when we think about our health, you know, it's it's not just one thing. So yes, social connections are extremely important and they kind of go to the go right, I feel right to the top of things that we can do to be overall, overall healthy, but not to forget that all of these things are interrelated. When I say that, if you're socially connected, you're probably going to sleep better, you know, sleep better at night. And so it has an effect, a positive um, effect on other types of, you know, other types of health behaviors as well. And I, I tell people, you know what, if you take a look, for example, at your, your exercise habits, or if you want to change your exercise, maybe exercise more or eat healthier, take a look at what your close friends and family are doing. Because if they eat unhealthy, there's um, almost 100% chance that you are as well. So what you can do then is try to connect with people that have the health behaviors that you want, because then that will probably foster it, foster it with you, with you as well. So reach out to those to those groups, even if it's on social media, that um, are that that you know emulate those health behaviors that you want. Because if you join those, then the chances of you, um, you know, let's say you know eating healthier, for example, or exercising more, are going to increase substantially. I love that. And that's exactly you guys who are listening who are not yet clients. This is a big piece of our coaching. One of the pillars of our framework is comprehensive support. And we've seen time and time again, how someone who doesn't feel like they have the in-person support gets wrapped up in our community where those healthy behaviors are the norm. And it feels so much easier. So if you don't yet have that community, come join us. You can go to estherevent.com slash coaching, learn more about that. You can also DM me on Facebook or Instagram, the word gone, and we can talk about our options. So Heather, this has been amazing. We have learned so much from you and I so appreciate your time. I know our listeners are going to be wondering where they can find more of you. So tell us where you are on the socials, your website, your books, et cetera. Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm available on LinkedIn and Instagram, and also through through my company, Wellness Discovery Labs. People can connect with me there, send me an email, or or message me on social media, and I will, and it will be me. I will definitely, um, definitely reply. I have. Um, over the course of my career, I try to make health science-based health easier for people, and I've developed um, science-based wellness journals 
based on, you know, somebody's health journey, whatever they want to do. Maybe they want to exercise more. Maybe they want to sleep better. Maybe they want to reduce their anxiety. I have these guided journals that are available on Amazon. And uh, I wrote, uh, I've written textbooks, which I joke the only people who read them are my students because <laughs> I make them, I make them read them. Uh, but a, a couple of years ago, I, I wrote a book about my journey with uh, one of our, one of our sons who got, who got really sick and kind of pulled in the, pulled in the, the science in it. And by telling the story, about how you know health means many things to to many people and how you can go from you know unhealthy to to healthy and you don't necessarily need to follow the traditional healthcare model their health can mean many things to people i love it you guys go check heather out thank you guys for listening if you enjoyed this episode please leave a rating and review i really appreciate them personally and heather i'm so grateful for your time i will be back next week with another episode and i'll talk to you guys then Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.